Welcome in to Straight Up Sports. I'm your host, Devin Albertson. It's been a while since I've done one of these, so just bear with me. Um, so, not talking eight-man football, not talking D2 right now. We're going to talk divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Go to the big dogs right here and see what's going on. I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, I'm going to start this out not by going to the games. <coughs> Sorry. But we have eight quarterbacks in this round playing Saturday and Sunday. And I want to do an exercise where I kind of rank the eight guys left and kind of see in order of who I would trust to kind of win a playoff game and who do I, almost like who do I fear rankings of the top eight quarterbacks, the last eight quarterbacks left here. Uh, we'll just go from eight to one here. Uh, the bottom of the list, Brian Tannehill. I get that he just won in Foxborough, but he threw for like 74 yards. I get to say he's had a really good year this year, but everyone knows the Titans are set up by that running game led by Derrick Henry, and I just don't fear Tannehill. I just don't know if he can come up in a big, big spot and make enough necessary plays. Like you're telling me, Titans are down by a touchdown at Baltimore. Does Tannehill bring him back to have the game forced overtime? I just don't see it. So I don't. I'm not scared of Tannehill. So he's at eight. Um, up next, Kirk Cousins. I know he just won New Orleans. That defense is still really good. But he is not a guy that's going to carry the team. If things start going badly, things can really tailspin for Cousins. He's not a guy who can rally the troops enough, I don't believe, with his play to elevate them to a chance to win on the road in the place like San Francisco, go to Green Bay and win, uh, or go to Seattle win next two games. Do I think Kirk Cousins has what it takes to win three more playoff games this year to win a Super Bowl? I do not. That's why I have him at seven. So that's what I have right there um, with Kirk Cousins. Up next, Jimmy Garoppolo. I have him at six. I can see an argument for five for him. My thing with Jimmy Garoppolo right now, why I don't have him higher, is because I just don't think it's hard for me to trust a guy who his first ever career playoff start. He has some injury issues. He does have a tendency to force the ball into some turnovers, but I do like Jimmy G's game a lot. Garoppolo is a very good football player. He's perfect for Shanahan's system. Um, I just don't know if I trust him enough at this point to carry a team late. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll come out here versus Minnesota and just tear up that defense. Um, but I don't know, Jimmy G, he's kind of in a middle ground here where it's like he hadn't proven enough to me that where I can't trust him, but he also hadn't proven enough where I can trust him either, so that's why I have him at six. Uh, number five, Lamar Jackson, this year's MVP most likely. He's had himself a really good football season, but we saw it last year in the playoffs. He struggled mightily versus the Chargers. He's got to play a home game here versus the Titans, who have a very good defense. Um, and I don't know, just Lamar Jackson... I get he's had a very good year. I'm still struggling to wrap my mind around him as well. So, like, he's a guy I'm, I'm struggling to accept is elite quarterback right now. So, that's just where I'm at with Lamar Jackson. I don't know what it is. Um, I just don't know if I trust Lamar Jackson late in the game to come back and make the necessary throws to win a game. He has great legs. He's a great athlete. He does a good job in that system. But if they get behind to a team, can he bring them back? I'm not so sure about it. So we'll see what happens to Lamar Jackson. I have him at number five. Number four, Deshaun Watson. Probably the team with the least amount of talent left in the playoff is Houston, but the reason they're this far is because of Deshaun. He's a very, very good football player, an excellent 
quarterback, good athlete as well. Uh, you saw it there late in the Buffalo game. I don't care if you get hit by both sides. That was still an amazing play to get out of that sack. Um, hits the running back, Taiwan Jones, down the sidelines, but he was able to get enough for a first down and much more to give him in field goal range to win that game in overtime against Buffalo. Houston Texans are, I don't think they're a great team, but since they have Deshaun Watson, they are a scary team. This is my philosophy when it comes to the playoffs. If you have a really good quarterback, it's really tough to, um, I'm sorry, I got distracted by something on Twitter that I'll get to here in just a minute. Um, that I might take a break and come back to because that's a really interesting topic. That's MIAA football. So you might have some bonus contact here. Sorry, Chris Roush distracted me with this tweet. Um, but yes, Deshaun Watson, he scares me. I'm a Chiefs fan. I think the Chiefs are a much better team than Houston. But when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson that comes into town, weird things happen. We saw it a few years ago when Andrew Luck won a playoff game a couple years ago with the Colts, who weren't that good of a roster. But he was able to elevate them and carry them up to a playoff win. So that's what we have there. I have Deshaun Watson at four. Number three is Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. You can make an argument that Watson right now is playing better than Rodgers, but I'm of lean on Rodgers' history in the playoffs of playing well and just having that it factor. I don't know, Rodgers hadn't had a great year, but you're telling me that I don't trust Aaron Rodgers to go out and win a playoff game? That seems kind of blasphemous to me. He is a very good quarterback still, and anytime you have Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you're a dangerous team, you're a team to be feared, and you're a team that you cannot take lightly in the playoffs because he can make some special, special throws. Just watching that Chiefs game, I know they played Matt Moore, so the drama of it kind of went down a little bit. But he made three or four super special throws that game, or the Char- or the Packers lose that game. He is still a very special quarterback. I think people kind of overlooked that because it's just, oh, it's Rodgers. We've seen it for a decade. He is still very good at playing quarterback. He's maybe not as consistent on a down-to-down basis as he has been in the past. But he still has those moments where you go, wow, that's Aaron Rodgers. So he's number three for me. And then one and two, I can see an argument either way with this one. I'm going to go with my heart here. I got Russell Wilson at two, Patrick Mahomes at number one. Wilson, another guy, I don't think the Seattle's roster is that good. I, I really don't think they're that good, especially on offense. But Wilson does this so much to overcome O-line deficiencies. I know he has DK Metcalf on the outside, um, but he has just like one gear. It's just go. That's just what it is right there. So it's very difficult um, for them to sustain a whole lot. Wilson does throw the best deep ball in the league, though. There's no doubt about that. You listen to any of the top NFL analysts. Russell Wilson throws the best deep ball in the NFL. He is a very special quarterback. He makes some special throws. If you're telling me, hey, Seahawks down by four in, in Green Bay, minute and a half to go, no timeouts. Will Russell Wilson get it done? I think he does. I think that Seattle-Green Bay game, I'll get to that game in just a minute, I think whichever quarterback has that ball last has a really good chance of winning. That's just that's just the way I see it right now with those two quarterbacks, how good they are late in games. That's going to be a fantastic football game on Sunday night. I can't wait for it. Those two quarterbacks are both very special. And they're both teams where I don't think the rosters are that good. I don't know how Green Bay's 13-3. and I just don't see it. Um, they've got lucky a couple times with a couple scheduling stuff. But they're 13-3, give them props for winning the games that are on their schedule. But I think in Seattle, they've won a, a bunch of one-score games. I think 
they're like ten and one in one scores games this year. Like they're they're unbelievable. There are a couple plays here there from missing the playoffs because they lose to me of those games. So these are two teams that are driven by their quarterback play, which is why that matchup is so interesting. And then Patrick Mahomes, he's still the best quarterback in the league. He dealt with some injuries this year. He's healthy now. He can sling it in any weather. He has the weapons on the outside to exploit mismatches. He's getting smarter. He's learning the offense and all the ins and outs of it. Multiple arm angles. He can move in the pocket. All the stuff about Patrick Mahomes is just there. He's a slightly better version of Russell Wilson. A little bigger arm, I think. Maybe not the touch Wilson has sometimes, but Mahomes is very good. So my top eight, I go Mahomes, Wilson, Rodgers, Watson, Jackson, Jimmy G, Cousins, and Tannehill. Um, so if we go to the playoff games here real quick, and we'll go against the spread here. Uh, first one up, Saturday afternoon, about 3.40 on NBC. The Vikings at the 49ers. The 49ers are a seven-point favorite. Over-under in that game is 44-and-a-half. Um, I like the under in this game. I think these two defenses are going to go to work in this one. I think Minnesota is going to try to limit possessions with Dalvin Cook, keep the score down. The Niners also... Their offense is predicated on that zone op- zone running game with play action with Jimmy Garoppolo moving the pocket, finding George Kittle, um, among others, in the passing game for San Francisco. I think the Vikings' defense is good enough to limit the Niners' offense, though. Um, you can say a lot of stuff about Coach Zimmer for the Vikings, but he is one heck of a defensive football coach, one of the top three to four in the league, in my opinion. And they got some dudes on defense there in Minnesota. Seven points, just too many points for me to give up in that one. I don't think the Vikings can score a whole lot, but I don't think they're going to have to to cover the seven points. This is going to be like a 20-17 to 17 game. I mean, I think it's going to be very close to the end. I think the Niners are just a little more talented. So give me the Niners at home to win, but to the, the Vikings to cover and the under to hit in that one. Uh, next game, CBS at 720-ish. Titans at the Ravens. Ravens are a 10-point favorite. Over-under is 47. I got the Titans covering the plus 10 and the under 47 in this one as well. So two unders in the Saturday games. Um, 10 points is a lot to get to a playoff game, especially with two teams that run the ball so much and so effectively. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, not a whole lot of possessions. The score stays low. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson and Tannehill both struggle a little bit. The running games aren't as effective as usual. Low-scoring game. The Ravens ultimately win because they're the better team. But it should be very interesting to see how it kind of goes here. Um, Ravens win. Titans cover the 10 points. But the under hits at under 47. Then we go to Sunday. Um, game at 2-10. You have the Texans at the Chiefs. The Chiefs, according to my thing, are a 9.5-point favorite. Over-under is 51 I think the Chiefs get the 30 points in this game. I really do. And if they do, I think the over is going to hit. So give me the over 51 in this one. But give me the Texans to cover the 9.5. I think the Chiefs defense is going to give up a couple of big plays here. I think the loss of Juan Thornhill is going to be a bigger deal than people are than some people think. I think with Will Fuller coming back for Houston, they're going to have one or two plays over the top. A little bit fluky, but it's going to happen there where the Texans score some quick strikes, but the Chiefs offense is just too consistent and too good for Houston's secondary, which is not great. The Chiefs are a lot healthier this time around. Last time they were missing missing Hitchens, Watkins, Fisher, Jones. Uh, Mahomes was banged up. Wiley was out. So they're missing their whole left side of the line. The quarterback was banged up. Number two receiver was out. And Tyreek Hill was on a snap count. As a lot of Moving parts that are missing there on the offense. You come into this one, 
and Mahomes is fully healthy. He has his left tackle back. They're getting the left guard situation figured out there in Kansas City. Watkins is back. Um, and then on defense, I know Anthony Hitchens is not a great football player by any means, but he does get everybody lined up on defense. He is decent against the run, something that Ben Neiman is not good at, and Ben Neiman had to play a lot of snaps, as did Darren Lee whenever Hitchens was out. So the defense will be better at this point. They're playing a little bit different defensively now, a little more safety looks as well. So you see a little more Armani Watts with Dan Sorensen out there, Armani Watts filling in for Juan Thornhill. And then Tyron Matthew is also playing very well right now. Um, and the Chiefs defense will play well. They'll give up a couple of scores that will make people think, oh, the defense sucks again. It doesn't suck. Houston still has a good offense. But Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to put some points up. I don't care if Carlos Hyde runs the ball. I don't care if Houston runs the ball. I'd rather them run the ball because at that point, you're not beating the Chiefs by running the football. You're just not going to. I've had this argument earlier this year. If the Chiefs offense plays like they're supposed to, they will win easily in this one. I think they win by about a touchdown. I'm going like 31-24. The over hits. Chiefs win, but Houston covers. And then finally, last game, divisional playoff, 645, sorry, 545 on Fox. You will have the Seahawks at the Packers. The Seahawks are a four and a half point underdog. Over under is 46. I'm going to go with the under on this one. Also, Seattle to win outright. I think Seattle wins this game on the road in Green Bay. I just can't trust the Packers at this point. I don't know what it is. There's something in the back of my mind that says, I don't know if the Packers can win this. It should be very interesting how it works out, though. But Seattle versus Green Bay should be very fun. I think it's. I think the games on Sunday are much more intriguing to me because you have the better quarterbacks on the field. The top, two, four, top four quarterbacks in this playoffs are playing on Saturday. you got Watson, Mahomes, Wilson, Rodgers. Should be a lot of fun to see some good quarterback play on Sunday. I think the games on Saturday, you see more teams that are maybe more talented other than quarterback, but it should be a lot of fun to watch those teams kind of go at each other there on Saturday as well. So give me the Seahawks. They're, and I know people like they miss their top three running backs. I don't care about that. They got Russell Wilson. Maybe they'll be forced to throw the ball a little more, which is more efficient, and they'll win the game on the road. It is hard winning in Lambeau, but Seattle's one of those teams that does play really well on the road. So give me Seattle. Plus four and a half. I think they win the game outright in the under 46 and a half in that one. So those are my picks. Those are my quarterback rankings for the playoffs. I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about the MIAA a little bit here and the possibility of non-conference games coming up next. Okay, so I just talked about the NFL division round of the playoffs. I went through all those picks. You want to rewind go listen to that again? You can. But now it's time to talk about some MIAA football. Um, so as I was talking about the NFL, I was looking on Twitter, and then Chris Roush, my friend down at KQ2, um, shared a story, about two-minute TV story, about the MIAA possibly opening up to a at-a-conference game. They've been a silo scheduling league for a few years now. they got 12 teams in conference. They play 11 regular season games, so only conference games um, so far. And I get the appeal of that. You play everybody in the conference, you have a Hashtag true champion, which I think is kind of a farce because this year, I mean, they didn't really, you had a team's tie for the conference title. Not really. We've had this in the past with the Northwest and Fort Hayes, but they tied for the title even though Fort Hayes beat Northwest head-to-head. In my opinion, and this year it hurt Northwest, last year it would have helped them, whatever, it doesn't matter to me about Northwest. If you guys tie for the conference title, but one team beat the other head-to-head, that team is the conference winner. 
That's just the way I see. If you want a true champion, you can't be co-champs in a silo scheduling conference. You can have tri-champs because you have three teams beat up on each other and they all finish with one loss. That's possible. But if you want a true champion, use a tiebreaker so you actually have a conference champion. It would have been Northwest this year as the outright title. They would not have been the outright champs. They would not have been champions last year. Fort Hayes would have been. So that's just what I would see with that stuff. So I don't know. That's just kind of how I look at it. And that's why I always kind of balk them and they say, well, we have a true conference champion. Not really because you gave a participation award to the team that lost to them but were undefeated versus everybody else. That's still that's not a true champion. That's just me. I love the out-of-conference games in Division Two. I think it shows conference strength. You can kind of see later in the year. Well, we went the MIAA. They did really good versus the GAC in the non-conference. Well, they played the GLIAC, and they swept them. Or, you know what? They didn't do as good this year. They lost a couple of games to the GLIAC. They lost one game to the GLVC. Whatever it is, it gives everybody a another data point to compare conferences by other than well, the MIAA is always usually pretty good, so they're probably better than the GLVC, which that is usually the case, but there is no factual statement to apply it until the teams play head-to-head on the field, and then we saw what happened with Northwest and Lindenwood. So that's just kind of what happens with it, but I really, really want to see what happens with it. I hope there's a conf- at a conference games, because when Northwest used to play Abilene Christian, Texas A&M, Kingsville, uh, Nebraska Omaha before they joined the NBA, they dropped football, all that good stuff. They had some really good games in there, and I think D2 needs that coming back here where you get some heavyweight matchups early in the year. Because what happened when the MIAA went to the silo scheduling, the Northern Sun Conference, Intercollegiate Conference, they went to an only interconference schedule because they had to because there was no close teams to play out of conference games, and as of the GAC. So you had the three conferences in the middle of the country all go to silo scheduling, and you hurt the, the RMAC, you hurt all the other conferences out west, you hurt the conferences east, because they're they they are not going to fly over you to play each other. It's really far to play. They have done it a couple times, but you're hurting other teams in the nation and yourself because you can't show the strength of your conference versus other teams. If you think the MIAA is the best conference in the nation, then let Washburn play someone like Delta State or whoever they want to play across the nation and be like, you know what? The team that finished sixth in our conference just beat your number three team in your conference. That's how good our conference is. That this team came into top five in ours, but they beat one of your best teams. Or be like, you know what, Washburn? They barely lost on the road to Delta State. That's a good quality team right there. You can kind of see that. I'm using Delta State as just a random team thrown out there, but you can see Ashland. They would come over and say they played Missouri Western. I would be very intrigued by that game. Very intrigued to see how those teams would match up. So I think you need that. You need those extra games because the last few years with the MIAA just being like, oh, yeah, they're just kind of over there. They're, you can't really – it's hard to differentiate, especially when you have teams in the, in the region. We had the MIAA, the GAC, the GLIAC, and the GLVC, and two of those conferences play out of conference games, and the other two play only silo conferences games. How do you differentiate the two conf- – all those teams? It's so difficult – when in-region games mean absolutely nothing because there's there's barely any crossover between conferences. So, in my opinion, the MIAA would be wise to go to an out-of-conference game at least at the beginning of the year because, honestly, that extra conference game where you're playing Northeastern State or Lincoln isn't doing anything for you, the top-tier teams. It's just not. Northwest going out and winning by 80 versus somebody, that's not doing anything. But if they would have to play a Grand Valley State in the first in the first week... That's a really good matchup. That's great for Division Two. It's great for the MIAA. It's great for the GL, 
the GLIAC. It's great for the kids to play. You think those kids wouldn't like to play in Lubber Stadium or the kids at Grand Valley come to play at Bearcat Stadium? That's greatness. That's what we want the college athletes to, athletes to be. We want the best teams to play each other. I think it'd be great. I think it needs to happen. I'm not sure if it will because I think some of the teams at the top of the conference are afraid that no one's going to schedule Northwest and Pitt State and Central Missouri and Fort Hayes and all those teams in Missouri Western that they won't be able to get an out-of-conference game. I think you will. I think scheduling will take care of itself. Maybe I'm just naive to that. Um, but also, I'm not the only one who thinks this. Brandon uh, Meisner, who runs ETFootball.com, has been pounding the table for this for years, ever since the MIAA went through the silo scheduling crap. So that's where I'm at. I just gave a little bonus content there as well. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You guys have a good weekend. I'm currently in Maryville. Um, ice storm coming through. Snow coming in soon. Um, it started icing around here on uh, 10 a.m. or so, 10, 11. I got off work around 3. It's about 5 o'clock now when I'm recording this. I already had to clear the driveway off once. It's supposed to start snowing in about an hour, and then I'm going to be pretty much snowed in my house. So I've got plenty of food. I'm going to sit here and watch some football. Uh, bonus pick for the national championship game on Monday. I'm going to go with Clemson to beat LSU. I have zero reason behind it other than I think uh, Clemson is just super talented and being slept on by all the LSU love, which is well-deserved. LSU has played great this year. Coach O's done a great job with LSU. Joe Burrow is going to be the number one pick in the draft. They've been really good. But I think Clemson has the better coach-quarterback combo with Dabo Sweeney, with um, Lawrence. Lawrence is going to be number one pick next year's draft. He's that kid's a stud. Give me Clemson to pull off the mini upset, even though Clemson is the defending national champions that are also undefeated. So that's kind of what happens there. Playing the ACC, you get slept on a little bit. But it happens. Give me Clemson to beat LSU. I won't be able to watch the game because I'll be coaching. But it's about 20 minutes of a podcast there. You guys, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you guys liked my picks. You either can go with me or you can fade me. Doesn't matter to me. You guys have a good one. Signing off for Straight Up Sports, Devin Albertson.